Welcome back to the Chris Gates Fitness Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me as always. I'm super excited that you're here and I'm super excited to dive into another episode of the podcast that I think is going to be uh, a really, uh, I guess, much needed uh, deep dive into uh, aspect of fitness and an aspect of health and wellness uh, that's going to impact everybody. It's going to impact you at some point, uh, if not currently. Uh, basically, anybody that's pursuing a health or fitness goal needs to be focusing on recovery. And the thing about recovery is that there are so many different aspects to recovery um, that it can be a little bit maybe daunting or confusing to figure out the things that you should be doing to make sure that you're recovering from your workouts and uh, you know having your body adapt in the ways that you want it to adapt right like you're putting in all of this work with your diet your training program to look a certain way or feel a certain way or you know anything like that um well recovery is going to be a major aspect of your program and of your daily routine that's actually going to make those adaptations happen. So um, we're going to dive into a lot here. And if you listen to my previous podcast episode, we dove into everything you need to know about macronutrients. We talked about protein, carbs, fats, uh, even alcohol. If you haven't listened to that episode, I would highly recommend that you do it uh, because it was another episode very much like this one where we covered everything, like literally everything that you need to know. And I want to focus on that need to know because I'm not going to dive into all the super sciencey stuff in this episode. We will talk about that a little bit, but we're going to dive into the details uh, related to what you actually need to know, okay, about recovery. So uh, it's not going to be hopefully like way too far into the weeds. I'm going to make this as easy to understand as I possibly can. And also by the end of this episode, um, you're going to have a really firm understanding, hopefully, of what you need to do uh, to manage your recovery and reach the fitness goals uh, that you have. And we'll see how long this goes. Honestly, I have about 10 or 11 pages worth of notes for this episode, and uh, if it starts to run on super long, we may make this a part one and then dive into a part two next week. I'm not really sure, uh, but we'll see how it all unfolds. All I know is I have coffee, uh, I have water, I have my notes, and I'm ready to dive into things. So here's a list of the topics that we're going to cover uh, about recovery. Uh, First and foremost, we're going to talk about what recovery is and why it's important, just kind of set the the stage of what we're talking about today. Um, and then we're going to dive into strength training and recovery, the recovery demands of strength training, uh, the recovery demands of cardio, and just talk about, you know, the, those are the really the two main forms of exercise that most people participate in. So how does your body react and adapt to those forms of exercise? And what do you need to be worried about um, you know, from a recovery standpoint in terms of doing everything you need to do to make your body adapt uh, and recover from doing those forms of exercise? Uh, the role of sleep. Sleep is a monumentally big piece to the puzzle of recovery. So we're definitely going to take some time and uh, spend some time talking about sleep. 
the role of your diet. Obviously, nutrition plays a big role with recovery as well. We're going to talk about rest days, when those need to be plugged into your routine and how often. Also, we're going to talk about deload weeks and how often those need to be plugged into your routine and what those are if you're if you're unfamiliar. We're going to talk about how stress factors into recovery because that can play a big role as well. Uh, your age, so really like your your biological age, how, how old you are right now, and also your training age, how long you've been exercising, and really what that means in terms of your ability to recover and, and you know, okay, if you're younger or if you're older what matters the most or, or does it get more important with recovery or more difficult with recovery based on where you are uh, currently in your life. We'll talk about that. We're going to talk about supplementation because obviously I'm sure you have heard uh, and read and seen millions of supplement ads talking about the best you know, whey protein for recovery and whatnot. And we're going to dive into really what you need to be focused on uh, from the supplementation side of things. And then just a bunch of additional recovery modalities. Um, there's a lot of like fads out there. There's a lot of fancy tech and gadgets and equipment that some people use to help them recover from workout to workout. And we'll talk about, you know, what, what, what devices or tech or, or fads that are out there that maybe are worth your while, which ones aren't, um, and whether there's you know evidence suggesting that some of these things are or are not actually effective. So we'll dive into that at the very uh, end. And uh, yeah, so I mean, obviously you could see it took me <laughs> four or five minutes just to run through the topics that we're going to cover. Obviously, we're going to cover a lot in this episode. Before we dive into uh, all of the nuts and bolts and details, really quick, if you're new here, just want to uh, introduce myself. Hi, my name's Chris. I'm an online fitness coach. I work with people all over the world to build muscle, burn fat, develop healthy lifestyle habits, really just chase their fitness goals. And uh, if that's something that you're interested in, or you would be interested in, or if you think like, hey, I might need a little bit of help because I've been spinning my wheels, or I just don't know if I'm doing the right things. Well, that's what I help people do every single day, every week, every month, every year. Uh, so there will be a link to my coaching page in the show notes of this episode, which uh, you can check out, hit that link. It'll take you over to my website. You can learn more about what coaching looks like. And if it all sounds good and you want to talk about your goals, go ahead, submit an application. I'll follow back up with you and we'll talk more about uh, what you've got going on and what you want to achieve. Um, but okay, let's talk about uh, first and foremost, uh, what recovery is and why it's so important. Because it's one thing to go into the gym and get a good workout in, uh, but that's like, I don't know, 30 to 60 minutes of your day, and there's a whole 23 other hours of the day that really, really matter in terms of like actually being able to adapt to that workout that you put in. Um, so very simply, Exercise, any form of exercise that you do is a stimulus to your body. And it can come in many forms. And I talked about in the you know rundown of the topics we're going to discuss in this episode, um, the, the primary ones are lifting weights and cardio, right? Some type of like endurance training. So strength training, endurance training tend to be the two most popular forms of exercise, the two that people participate in the most. Um, and, and honestly, the two that are probably going to get you the biggest bang for your buck. There obviously are other forms of exercise um, that exist and your body is going to recover or need to recover from those as well. Like you could think about yoga or stretching, mobility work, going for a hike. Like there's a lot, obviously there's a lot of different things that you 
you can do physically where, you know, anything you do physically, your body's going to want or need to probably adapt to it in some way. And it could be very small adaptations or it could be large. Um, so exercise though, is that stimulus to your body. Um, and really the point of all of this is, you know, especially if you're in the gym, strength training, doing cardio, trying to change your body composition in some way, the point of all of this is creating adaptations in your body, whether it be building muscle, burning fat, getting stronger, you want to adapt in some way to work you towards that goal that you have. So when you do any form of exercise, your body is naturally going to want to react to that exercise by creating the necessary adaptations. And the reason for that is your body wants to be as efficient as it possibly can be at all times. That's just the way your body wants to operate. Like you'll notice if, if you had, haven't been running much and then you start going for runs, uh, if you do the same one mile loop, if you can do that consistently, you'll find that Time after time after time, it'll feel a little bit easier, a little bit easier, a little bit easier. You may be able to do it a bit more quickly and a bit more efficiently, and that's because your body wants to be efficient. Your body wants to be at homeostasis. We talked about that a lot in the previous episode where uh, you know your body wants to be at that equilibrium point and just be super efficient. That's how it wants to be uh, with any form of training as well. And so if you think about like lifting weights, um, that we're also going to talk about that a lot in this episode. You know, if you go into the gym and you lift weights, well, your body's going to think like, hey, that was difficult. And if Chris or if you listening is going to do this again, we should probably make adaptations so it's not so difficult to do it. And that's that's what we're talking about. Your body is you're you're trying to create this situation where your body is forced to adapt. So we talk about lifting, okay? Just mention that one. Um, your body will want to make lifting easier by making you stronger, and that could be from you know an adaptation to build more muscle. It can also be central nervous system adaptations to help you be able to lift more weight. Uh, with cardio, you know it's gonna want to your body's gonna want to make that uh, improve your endurance to make that activity easier, right? To be more efficient at that activity. Uh, and then, you know, like some of those other, uh, more, um, I don't want to say random, but some of those other additional activities we talked about, like if you want to take stretching, your body actually will over time, if you're consistent with it, adapt to stretching by making you more flexible and relaxing your muscles, uh, so that, you know, those muscle lengths can lengthen out. And the point of stretching is to, you know, be able to have, uh, less tightness in your muscles, so your body will adapt to that over time. Um, the key to making progress with fitness, it's going to be to continue to make those adaptations, right? And so that means consistently training. I've already said consistency a lot with some of these different modalities, um, but being consistent and doing these things over and over and over again, and then we'll talk about this here uh, more in depth, but then like as you are consistent and as you get into your fitness journey for longer and longer, um, you know, making sure that you're continually training harder so that your body continually has to adapt. You know, if you're going into the gym and lifting, or if you're going out and you're just doing that same run, you're eventually going to get to a point where like your body has adapted to it you've recovered, you've adapted, and now like there's no additional stimulus to adapt to, so you you plateau. You just don't make any more progress, which is why a lot of people say like, hey, you can't go into the gym 
grab the same weights every single time and do the same exact exercises in the same order and expect that you're going to make progress forever. It just doesn't work that way. So you want to continually be challenging yourself, continually giving your body a higher and higher stimulus so that it needs, it feels the need to have to adapt. And then obviously when it feels the need to have to adapt, then we get into a lot of the things that are involved with actually adapting, recovering, and having your body do what it needs to do on a cellular level to actually adapt. Okay, so let's start by talking about strength training and recovery. So uh, just mentioned it about having to, you know, increase your workload essentially over time to continue to challenge your body more and more. With strength training, as it relates to recovery, this is where the concept of progressive overload comes into play. Um, and you can somewhat apply this to cardio as well, but like for lifting, if you're going into the gym lifting weights, you need to see your progress increase over time to, to know that you are doing the right things in the gym. So whether that be adding weight to exercises, uh, adding reps to specific exercises, so being able to do more reps with whatever weight you're using, uh, adding sets to that exercise, uh, whatever the case may be, if you're able to slowly and progressively tick your workload up over time with any of those variables, um, that's a sign that you are adapting. It's a good sign. It's a sign that your body, as part of everything that you're doing in your, your workout routine, your fitness routine, in your program, it's a sign that you are not only training hard enough, but then at the same time, your body is adapting, which means it's recovering. Uh, so that would mean you're getting stronger, your muscles are growing, and, and what you're doing is you need to continue that process over time. You need to continue to get into the gym, train hard, and make sure that you're forcing that type of growth. Uh, you know, for your body. And it, it definitely does get harder. Uh, so something to understand is like the more advanced you get, and, and this applies to any form of fitness, the more advanced you get, the harder it gets to keep making progress. So when you're in the beginner stage and your body has never had to adapt to lifting weights, it tends to adapt very quickly uh, in the beginner stage in the first six months to a year. You can typically make a ton of progress very quickly, again, as long as you're consistent. Um, but then as you get more consistent, <clears throat> you kind of transition into your in intermediate phase of lifting and then from intermediate to advanced if you continue to stick with it. Uh, it will get harder and harder to make progress um, and you know scale that intensity and that workload up over time. Um, and so what you'll actually see is like the deeper you get into your journey, you'll be putting in more and more and more effort for less and less and less return on that effort, which sounds like a horrible investment opportunity. I get that. Um, but that's typically uh, the way it goes. So with strength training and the recovery aspect of it, so you do all that hard training, you legitimately challenge yourself, recovery comes into play essentially after each training session, after each workout. And to be clear, I don't mean the quote unquote anabolic window. That is um, a, it's been a pretty, pretty much a disproven myth at this point that like you, you may have seen this back in the day. I know for me, when I got into lifting weights in the early 2000s, uh, you know, all we had was like magazines and word of mouth. We didn't have the internet to learn all this stuff. And so supplement companies got really creative and put some research together where, you know, they, they funded research studies that had two different groups go through a training protocol. They would give one group their their protein shake after training, the other group wouldn't have a protein shake after training and they would find that the, the group that had the protein shake 
right after training gain more muscle. And so then like we had all this marketing around, like there's an anabolic window. You have to have a protein shake 30 minutes after working out and it has to be ours, whoever the (laughs) supplement company is. And uh, over time we've realized like, hey, the reason that that looked so convincing is just because you didn't give the other group protein. So then like over the course of time, they weren't having a lot of protein, which meant like logically the group that had more protein built more muscle because your body needs protein to build muscle. You know what I mean? So I'm not talking about the anabolic window when I say recovery comes into play after training. Uh, But what I am saying is like when that workout ends, more or less, is like when your body starts to signal, your brain starts to signal to your body like, hey, this is we're doing something challenging here. We need to react to it. So after you lift weights, your brain signals to the rest of your body that recovery, it needs to happen. And that would be for whatever muscle groups you're training. So if you train a specific muscle group, your brain will send a cascade of signals uh, to that area of your body. And that, you know, will essentially tell your body, like we need to repair, we need to recover. We need to hopefully grow new muscle tissue if you're providing your body with what it needs. And uh, we'll talk about nutrition here in a little bit and and break down exactly what your body needs. Um, But a a cascade of things happen on a cellular level to kick the recovery process uh, into motion. And and this is a great example of where I'm not going to get into the science of it because I don't think I'm smart enough to actually uh, articulate that to you, even though I have a master's degree and I studied this stuff and like, I know, I know what it is, but I have to like, I'm, I don't know about you listening, but like, you know, the stuff I learned in school, I learned it, I passed the test, but for me to tell you exactly how the cellular stuff would happen, well, I'd have to go get my notes from grad school in my textbook. And I'm just not going to do that here. So, uh, we can simplify it to that is that a cascade of things happen on a cellular level. And uh, primarily, if we want to get into a little bit of the details, your body's going to try and shuttle a lot of the amino acids from the protein that you eat. So protein is made up of these chains uh, of things called amino acids. Uh, It's going to shuttle those amino acids into the muscle cells to assist with recovery and growth, okay? So um, when you're sleeping is actually where a lot of this repair actually occurs, and that's another item we're gonna talk about down the road here, sleep uh, and how it relates to your recovery. Um, but uh, where when you're sleeping is when a lot of this recovery actually happens. Uh, and and that's, it, during sleep, your body also secretes a lot of uh, different hormones that assist in anabolism. So if you think about anabolism, it means growth essentially, anabolism, anabolic, growth, um, which means building new tissue, right? Building new muscle tissue in your body. Uh, So you can see, uh, hopefully this helps you understand that while lifting weights is important, it is the stimulus. If you want to build muscle or get stronger, it's it's the stimulus that creates that recovery process. It's what forces those processes to start to take place. Um, but you need to be doing things right outside of the gym to fully recover. And and we've talked a little bit about some of those items, right? Like nutrition, sleep. Um, and those are going to be very crucial to, to see as much progress as you can. But for recovery from strength training, you can just consider strength training as the stimulus that kicks all of those things into high gear. All right, let's roll into cardio and recovery. And and this is kind of similar to what we just said about strength training. I mean, obviously these are different types of training, one's strength, one's endurance, but, you know, from a practical perspective or, you know, the logical perspective in terms of understanding what happens on the recovery side of things, you know, the demands and the recovery needs of the body from cardio 
the process that happens is similar. Uh, you know, when you do a challenging cardio workout, it could be on the spin bike, on the treadmill, on the elliptical, it could be getting outside, going for a run or getting out on your bike, whatever the case may be, you're going to be using your muscles, your tendons, your bones, your joints, your ligaments to perform that exercise, right? And as it gets more challenging, those all of those things get taxed to a higher degree. Um, additionally, with cardio though, you'll be training your cardiovascular and circulatory system to a a greater extent uh, for the most part than you would be with lifting. So that's one of the bigger differences between the two. But there's progressive overload principles built into cardio as well. So if you want more endurance, if you want to be able to run longer distances, you need to run longer distances. So if you start doing that one mile run that I talked about at the beginning of the episode, well, eventually that if you want to get be able to run longer, that one mile is going to have to go to two miles and three miles and four miles and five miles. If you're training for like a half marathon or a marathon, you're going to have to build up your mileage over time. So progressively overloading in that sense is adding more mileage or, you know, it could be the the totality, the the overall volume of time you spend running. So you could say, Hey, I'm going to go for a a 30 minute run. And, uh, you know, the way to progressively overload that 30 minute run is to bump it up to 31 minutes or 35 minutes or 40 minutes. So, you know, that that's another progressive overload principle that applies to cardio. Um, or if you want to get faster, if you're a sprinter and you want to improve your time in the hundred meters, uh, you know, you're going to have to do certain things to progressively overload your body to make it adapt and make you actually get faster at running. So there are the same types of principles. At the end of the day, you're implementing more and more workload, more and more of a challenge to your body. And once again, your body is going to have to respond to that in some way. And your recovery details need to be, you know, tightly intact so that your body actually can recover from it. So um, that's strength training and cardio. And what we can do now is take a transition into talking about a lot of some of the details that I've briefly mentioned here uh, in the early going. I wanted to make sure I outlined those different popular forms of of, uh, exercise, of fitness. And now we can break down a lot of the details uh, that are actually going to help you either recover really well or help you understand why you're not recovering well. All right, item number one is going to be sleep. I do not think anything is more impactful from a recovery standpoint than getting enough sleep, getting enough consistently good sleep. Um, And, you know, we're going to dive into some of the reasons why. But I think this is something that's often either overlooked or underappreciated. Most people think about diet first in terms of recovery um, and uh, a lot of other details that aren't necessarily maybe lifestyle habit related, but a lot of your lifestyle habits can and will impact your ability to recover. uh, And sleep is probably at the forefront of all of those. So I mentioned this before, the vast majority of your recovery and growth and the adaptations you want to have from your workout routine, it's going to happen when you're sleeping. So you're going to want to treat your body well uh, and recover and make a ton of progress well, you need to be sleeping enough. That's just that's just matter of the fact that that's what you have to be doing. Most adults need somewhere between seven to nine hours per night on a consistent basis. Um, understandably, that's difficult 
for people depending on your phase of life. Uh, but if you can get into that seven to nine hour window, that's ideal. Oftentimes that means you're going to have to probably change some of your habits to make that happen. Like I think it's very important and there's a lot of research to suggest and prove this that if you go to bed at the same time every day and wake up at the same time every day, and yes, that means the weekends too, you can over time as you're consistent with that actually condition your body's uh, hormones to promote really good sleep for that seven to nine hours that you're in bed. Now that means you're probably gonna have to turn off your favorite show uh, or maybe binge watch Netflix a little bit less or put your phone down or God forbid, maybe even turn your phone off so that you can get to bed on time. But the more you do it, the better you're going to feel. And the better you feel over time, the better your progress is, the better you recover. It's probably gonna make it actually easier and easier for you to get to bed on time. Um, but you know, it's going to help you, uh, release melatonin and that's going to help you go to sleep quicker and more easily. And then in the morning, your body's going to wake up. It's going to be conditioned to wake up at those same times, uh, as well. So cannot stress that enough. Seven to nine, seven to nine hours is, uh, ideal. And, uh, if you can get into that window of time somehow, I would highly recommend it. Now, a bad night of sleep here or there, uh, probably isn't going to impact your progress all that much, which is nice. You know, for a lot of us, um, you can get decent enough sleep most of the time, but you have like a stressful day at work or you have something coming up the next day that you're focused on and maybe it impacts your sleep. Maybe your kids wake you up in the middle of the night, whatever the case may be. Um, we all have bad nights of sleep here and there. And it's good to know that like, if that happens on occasion, it's probably not going to impact your progress all that much, if at all, probably won't impact your recovery all that much, if at all. It's when it gets chronic that we run into problems. But like, you know, I've um, experienced this quite a bit over the years where like I'll have a bad night and I'll actually sometimes go into my workouts the next day thinking like, well, I only slept four hours. So it's, this is going to be a crappy training session today. And then I end up having some of my best workouts after really bad nights of sleep. So you can kind of surprise yourself with uh, your ability to perform after a bad night of uh, sleep. Uh, but what that bad night of sleep is going to do is just put more emphasis on the upcoming nights of sleep because you do need to get back into a rhythm. You do need to get back to getting enough sleep to allow your body to actually recover. When you get into the equation of several bad nights, chronic poor sleep, uh, that's where it's a big problem, not only for recovery, but from a general health standpoint as well. Um, you know, when you're sleeping, you're not only repairing and, and recovering your body physically, uh, but there are you know different sleep cycles you go into with REM sleep, rapid eye movement, uh, and deep sleep. These different sleep cycles and phases of sleep that we go through help us recover our body, but also have a lot of recovery of the brain as well. Um, so when you're chronically getting bad or not enough sleep, you're not going to be experiencing enough of these sleep cycles, which means you're not going to be recovering at all from a mental or a physical standpoint. And then you run into the situation where, you know, if you're mentally not all there and you're trying to train hard, it's probably not going to go well. Your technique could be off, you could get injured, or you'll just be so lethargic that you won't be able to put the best effort into this workout that you can or that you want to. And as we talked about before, like you need to go into the gym and be able to 
train legitimately hard to continue to push your body to want to recover and adapt. But if you can't put in that effort level, that stimulus won't be there. Uh, or if you find a way to have the effort level be there, well, your body probably won't have the resources to recover because you're not getting enough sleep. So it really can snowball in the wrong direction. If you're regularly deficient in sleep, um, you're more likely to get injured. You're more likely to plateau with your progress. Your energy levels are going to be worse. Training performance could dip. Your stress levels could increase. That's another aspect of poor sleep. Uh, can also, we've seen this a lot in research, poor sleep can also affect your decision-making nutritionally. Dietary choices just tend to get worse uh, when you have poor sleep. You, you reach for the easy thing because you're tired. The easy thing tends to be highly processed, highly palatable, which means it's very easy to overeat on it. It's probably not high in protein. It's probably higher in sodium and, and sugar and you know all those things. Um, so that's going to bleed into your ability to recover. It's just, it's bad. <laughs> Poor sleep chronically is bad. And I don't think that there's a more important aspect to your recovery than sleep. Uh, I've seen this a lot. You can make, regardless of your goal, you can make pretty decent progress with a crappy diet, but if you have great sleep. But I, I'm not so sure that the, the flip side of that is true. I'm not so sure that you can have a great diet, but terrible sleep, like four hours a night, and, and make the progress that you're looking for. It just does not tend to work out that way. So if you're going to take anything from this episode, sleep from a recovery standpoint is the first and most important thing that you should be focused on. We're obviously going to talk a lot about a lot of additional things but with a lot of these additional things, if sleep is out of whack consistently, you're going to be making it very hard on yourself. Okay, item number two is going to be your diet. And uh, I think this one will make a lot of sense, but there's a lot of different details we can dive into uh, regarding your diet, the foods that you eat, to talk about how it's a driving factor and, and so important in your body's ability to recover from a recovery standpoint. Uh, the two biggest driving factors of your diet in terms of recovery are going to be protein and calories. We talked about this a little bit already in the episode, but protein is going to provide your body with the amino acids it needs to repair and recover your muscles. And those amino acids, again, are the they're the building blocks to being able to do that. You need enough protein to recover efficiently. And additionally, Calories can be essentially viewed as like all the other raw materials your body needs to uh, get back to baseline. And, uh, you know, really actually more so than get back to baseline, like that's at a minimum, get back to baseline, but then also move past that baseline and get stronger, build more muscle, uh, do the things that you want to do. So um, I really like uh, an analogy uh, that Dr. Mike Isratel uses often about the growth of a city, like a, a metropolitan city, uh, to kind of make it clear as to the role of calories in this equation. What he often says, if like you picture a huge city, like New York City, um, there are continually structures, buildings that are being built up and torn down at the same time. Um, so if you think about your muscle, any individual muscle or muscle group as a city, there's muscle fibers that are being built up and 
broken down at the same time. So materials are being destroyed while at the same time, and talking about the city here, materials are being destroyed while at the same time, new materials are being brought into that city to replace the old ones and build up new buildings. Um, so I say all that to say like for your muscles from a recovery standpoint, when more materials, aka calories are coming into your body, that means the city, that means your muscles are going to be able to grow. They're going to have the things that they need to grow, uh, which is where a calorie surplus comes from. And that's very important. I'm going to talk about that here in a moment. Uh, so a surplus of calories is very important. And, uh, and I hope that helps you understand, like if you think about your muscles as a city and you know, your, your muscle fibers as the materials in that city, um, hopefully that, that can help make it easy to figure out what's happening on a cellular level with your muscles to help you actually build more muscle. You need protein, you need extra calories to come in to give your body all the raw materials it needs to actually build that muscle, to actually adapt to something like strength training or cardio, depending on the form of cardio. So um, we talked about protein. The other major drivers in your calories are carbs and fats. Um, carbs are actually anabolic in nature, which is part of the reason why I hate hearing people uh, cut carbs when they have you know aspirations of doing big things with their training because if you cut carbs, you're, you're going to be uh, actually making it more difficult for yourself, for your body to adapt and build muscle and grow and get stronger. Um, they're actually anabolic in nature. They, they, they tend to help um, shuttle those amino acids into the muscle cells. Um, so that's why carbohydrates are important. Uh, fats also provide energy to your body. They're also important from a hormonal perspective. Um, and, and many of your home hormones are actually involved in the recovery process. Um, and you know, with, with fats, a lot of, it's another one where a lot of people will cut out fats because, well, does fat make you fat? I don't know. Um, but it's actually very, very important. And, uh, you'll see people's recovery get impacted negatively at a, at a point if they have very, very low fat diets. Um, so if you want to learn more about the macronutrients and, and how, you know, they're important for the goals that you have, I would highly recommend you listen to that last episode that I recorded. Uh, everything you need to know about macronutrients is the title of it. Uh, that's going to give you many more details about protein, carbs, fats, also dives into alcohol and just talks about the role of each one and how it's going to impact your fitness goals. Um, but in short, your body needs adequate protein and a modest calorie surplus uh, in order to recover and grow muscle efficiently, okay? Recover and adapt from your training efficiently. Uh, so let's talk about just some ballpark numbers that you could use to make sure that you're doing enough, getting enough of those to actually be in the ballpark of recovering. With protein, there's a couple of different recommendations I give you. One of them is taking your body weight in pounds, so whatever you weigh in pounds, and eating that many grams of protein. That tends to work for a lot of people, which is great. Uh, what I would say is if you are getting into like the very overweight, or if you are in what would be considered the obese category of individuals, that becomes less helpful just because you know if you're 250 pounds, 300 pounds, 350 pounds, whatever it may be. Um, you know, at a certain point you kind of get to, uh, the, the, the area of like 
you're just consuming excess protein. It's not all uh, really benefiting you from a recovery standpoint. Um, so the, the method that I like to use, which is also very easy to remember, but for my American listeners, you're going to have to dive into the metric system here. Um, taking your height in centimeters <clears throat> and then eating that many grams of protein. So if you are 180 centimeters tall, you're going to want to consume 180 grams of protein every day. And by the way, those are for your daily protein. So <clears throat> whether you're 180 pounds or 180 centimeters, you know, that would be eating 180 grams of protein on a daily basis. Now, in terms of calories, um, this one is a little bit more difficult for me to tell you because I, there's so much I don't know about you listening, um, but I can give you some guidelines that should help you figure out how to uh, do it. First and foremost, to get into a modest calorie surplus, um, by modest, I'm talking like 300 to 500 calories above your maintenance. And now what is your maintenance. Um, it's, it's hard for me to tell you because <laughs> I don't know you, but what I would suggest the easiest way to do it is to track your diet for a while, get a nutrition tracking app, one of the free ones like MyFitnessPal or Chronometer or something like that. Um, track your diet for a few weeks. Also monitor your body weight during that period of time. And um, you can start to figure out, okay, what amount of calories helps me stay right around weight stable on average. And then from there, you could add three to 500 calories to get yourself into a modest calorie surplus um, to, to help you start, you know, building muscle, getting stronger, being able to recover. Um, you need enough calories above maintenance to make a noticeable difference. And I think some people make the mistake of like, you know, wanting to quote unquote lean bulk and they add like a hundred, 150 calories above their maintenance. And it's just, it's hard at that point to, I don't know, be able to eat a very little bit more, like a hundred calories more as like one apple a day. It's hard to be able to track that over time to see if it's making a noticeable difference for your body. So I think it's often beneficial to go a bit more uh, above your maintenance, but like we don't want to go to the point where you're eating so many calories. Like I wouldn't want you to go, okay, well, if I just need to be eating more than maintenance, I'll eat as much as I possibly can. That certainly is a strategy. That certainly will help you build muscle and recover, but what's going to happen is you're going to put on probably a lot of excess body fat that you probably didn't want to put on throughout this process. So I would stay in that three to 500 calorie range. You know, that's always going to be specific to the individual. If you are like a smaller female, um, maybe you go a little bit less than that. But in general, I think that's probably going to help most people. And I have an article on my website that'll help you actually figure this out more specifically for yourself. It's titled, How Big Should My Calorie Surplus Be to Build Muscle? Uh, so you can look that up <clears throat> and that'll help you get more context and details to help you figure out what your uh, calorie surplus, your modest calorie surplus should be. Um, carbs and fats, we could talk about those as well in terms of like, okay, how do you set those up for yourself? Generally, I would say like men should have right around 25% of your daily calories coming from fat. It can be a little lower. It can be a little higher. It kind of depends on your preference and, and what you like in terms of fat intake. Uh, but that's a good ballpark number to be around. And then for women, probably 7 to 10% higher than that uh, is how much uh, fat, dietary fat you should be uh, taking in. Um, and then 
carbs are going to fill in the rest of your available calories. That's typically how it works. Um, okay, so from a diet perspective, let's also talk about meal timing and, and how it relates to recovery. Um, meal timing, it definitely matters and it, and it can make a difference, but I want to be clear that it's not the end-all, be-all, most important thing for making quote-unquote optimal progress. Uh, it plays a role. Um, what we've seen though through through a ton of research on this is that in general, if you're hitting your numbers for your diet on a consistent daily basis, um, that's going to be the most impactful thing for most people. If you are very, very serious about this stuff, if you're an athlete or something like that, and you really want to dial things in, you can try and more equally and consistently space out your calories and protein throughout the day. So like if you're trying to eat, I don't know, 2,500 calories a day and 200 grams of protein, uh, you could break that up into five 500 calorie meals, in which I don't know three six nine twelve uh, four eight twelve, and within you could have 40 grams of protein per meal. You like that fast math there? Um, like that could be a, a hypothetical example of something that would be quote unquote optimal. But I think for most people, like that's a little bit over the top. It's a little bit overkill. It's not necessarily necessary to actually help you recover consistently um, and make the progress that you want to make. It just comes down to hitting your numbers. So hitting your calories every day, hitting your protein every day. And if you can do that consistently, I've said that word a lot so far in this episode, if you can do that consistently, you will recover efficiently and you will make a ton of progress. That's what it comes down to. Um, There's also like the concept of post-workout meals and pre-workout meals and like how those impact your training. And again, let's just come back to the the overall goals for each day, your calories and protein. Those are the things that matter the most. Um, I would say though, you know, and this is also from a meal timing perspective, if like you can look at your day in kind of four hour, excuse me, four hour windows, and especially around your workout, let's look at like the, the, the windows of time around your workout. I would say if you've had a pre-workout meal with a decent you know, amount of protein, 20 plus grams or more um, of protein within two to three hours uh, before you go and work out, then you don't need to have this big post-workout rush to slam a protein shake or like go directly to Chipotle and get a huge burrito. Like you're probably fine. Um, and it, you can just in that next meal, like let's get that next meal in probably within the next two to three hours and just have a decent amount of protein in that meal. And you're going to be completely fine because since you ate close enough to your workout, you're still going to have, you know, the protein, the, the amino acids kind of floating around in your bloodstream. And, and some of those are going to be able to be delivered to your muscles. Uh, so you're not going to be in lack to, to put it that way. But I would say if it's been like four or more hours since you've eaten and eaten protein and you hit a workout, there probably is a little bit more of a need. Uh, it's probably a little bit more important to get a meal in soon after you work out and get protein in soon after you work out, just because, I mean, obviously we've had a more extended window of time and you want to, uh, you know, if you really are concerned about recovery, you want to make sure you get some protein in your system just to keep that going in the bloodstream and keep your body being able to utilize and pull from what it needs to, 
uh, to start those recovery processes. So um, meal timing is in general, not that big of a deal uh, unless you have very specific or, or, or high high goals uh, for, from an athletic standpoint. Um, but those are some scenarios that you can consider if you want to dial in your diet, uh, you know, to, to a greater degree to promote your recovery. And the last thing I'll talk about in this diet section is hydration. Uh, it can kind of be lumped in here because it's stuff you consume, right? And uh, it definitely does play a role in how well or, or how poorly you recover. Um, well hydrated, if you are well hydrated, it means your body has fluids that it actually needs to deliver these nutrients to your cell, the cells of your body. So drinking enough water helps your blood volume, helps you deliver those nutrients. Um, it's also going to help a lot with like, you know, your energy levels, your ability to train hard. And we've talked enough about that already where that's going to help you get the right stimulus to then be able to challenge yourself more and then have more of a recovery demand. Um, so hydration is definitely important. Something I like to start people off with is whatever your weight is in pounds, cut that in half and then try to drink that many ounces of water a day. And then over time, you know, you can continue to scale your water intake up. Uh, but hydration definitely plays a role as well. And, and overall, I think we've covered a lot here uh, from a diet perspective that should help you uh, refine your nutrition in ways that you know are practical, but will truly help you uh, recover as optimally as you can from your workouts. And with that, I'm going to cut this episode here. We have a lot of additional information to dive into, but I think this is a good amount of info for you to try and digest and, and process, uh, no pun intended, digest, process, and recover from. Um, but I think we've covered a lot of really good ground, a lot of important stuff. And in next week's episode, some of the things I want to cover are rest days and deload weeks. Talk about how those are going to be a crucial aspect of what you're doing with your program. I want to dive into stress and how that's going to impact you. We're going to talk about that age and recovery topic as well, and then supplementation, and then some of those additional recovery options. And, and, and some of those are going to be like cryotherapy, cold tubs, massage, compression gear, uh, wearable technology, like a lot of different things, stretching, mobility, myofascial release. We'll talk about a lot of those different items as well and how those play into the entire uh, recovery process. But uh, I hope you've enjoyed this part one of two of the, uh, basically the everything you could possibly ever want to know and apply to your training recovery podcast episode. I had a blast putting it together for you and I'm excited to bring you part two uh, next week. So thank you so much for listening. If you found this helpful so far, make sure you leave a five-star rating and review. I'm not sure what it does, but people say that it helps the podcast get in front of more people and that's the goal, right? So I would really appreciate it if you could take a minute or two to do that. And uh, again, that coaching link is going to be in the show notes. So if you're interested in talking with me about your goals and potentially getting on a customized uh, program, do some one-on-one -on -one online fitness coaching. I would love to talk with you more about your goals. Uh, but all right, I will wrap it up here. Thanks again. Looking forward to talking to you again next week. Talk to you soon.